We've got Twinkies in our lunchbox on this Consumer Goods Edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from beautiful Alexandria, Virginia, just south of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. I am at Fool Headquarters, joined by the one and only, the incomparable, the incredibly handsome Vincent Shea. Thanks, Sean. That's, I'm flattered. Yeah, you're a nice guy. Um, so uh, we've actually got a lot of talk, uh, a lot to talk about here, folks. Today we've got um, Whole Foods' new smaller store format for urban areas. We've got um, Barnes and Noble's new leadership. But first, oh man, big news this morning: Twinkies are coming back to the grocery store shelves. Oh yeah, is that the case? Yeah. So um, Hostess Brands they went bankrupt late last year in November. Um, Tons of debt. Just the cost structure wasn't working because the the eighty ninety percent of their workforce was unionized. All this stuff, and they brought in a reorganization expert. This is the new CEO, and he sat down with all these guys, with all these unions, and everything. I'm not bashing anybody, but it it just wasn't working for anybody, and they were losing money just operating day to day. Couldn't work anything out, so they just entered Chapter 11, and uh, when they didn't get good offers for the company, they just liquidated and sold a bunch of the brands, um, and actually, it was kind of split up, but um, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but Metropolis and Company and Apollo bought the Twinkies and other hosts' cakes for about $410 million. Um, the Wonder Bread brand went to McKee Foods. I'm, I might be wrong here. Don't quote me, anybody, but... Um, and. Uh, they are now trying – they've turned it around. The operation's actually going smoothly. Everybody's happy. They're thinking about selling uh, the Twinkies brands and everything, the Hostess brands, and um, they're like, no, we'll just have an, uh, an IPO. So uh, we'll talk about this more when they have the S1 IPO filing at the SEC uh, here in a few weeks, I imagine. But um, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed Twinkies have not been in the grocery store shelves because I know you love those events. It's big news. Yeah. So they will be returning here. Oh, and all the uh, all the Twinkies boxes, they're going to have the tagline, the sweetest comeback in the history of ever. So they're branding the comeback. Oh, wow. That's an interesting idea, actually. So very smart. Anyway, uh, so Vince, what's going on with Whole Foods? Well, this is somewhere you probably won't find Twinkies, to be honest. Why not? So, but Is that because Twinkies are so full of just preservatives that it'll survive the nuclear holocaust? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So right now at Whole Foods... Um, you know, they announced in May that they were going to be experimenting and launching these new smaller format stores. Then last month in June, they announced the name 365, which is tied, of course, to their private label brand at the Whole Foods market now, 365 by Whole Foods. And you know, I think, you know, big reason for that is that these pri- this private label is going to be a major anchor product uh, and, you know, offering line for these <coughs> new format stores. And, um, you know, it's going to be headed up by Jeff Turnus, who's a 20-year veteran at Whole Foods. He used oh, wow. to run their North Atlantic and UK regions. And um, they're going to start opening the stores in 2016. They're going to start out small, about five to ten stores next year. But the plan, their ultimate growth plan is big. If the potential's there, if it's doing well, they ultimately want this to have potentially a similar footprint. This is um, this was an interesting move for me because um, arguably, and I, I don't think I would dispute this, Whole Foods is already kind of an urban store. I mean, they're really only found in certain types of areas, and they're usually quite urban. Well, I think the reason why they're moving in this direction is to hit 
to new markets, so to speak. Kind of like you mentioned, it's going to the urban store to an extent, but I think having these smaller locations will let them have you know potentially more than one store in a in one area. That's uh, that's what I was going to get to say because. the way their demographics work, I mean, the the demographics of their customers are their upper income, they're college educated, all this, that, and the other thing. These people are usually found in big cities. We have one right down the street here in Alexandria, Virginia. There's two, I think, in the district. Um, there's one in uh, Cleveland Heights in, uh, uh, you know, is probably five miles from my college at Case Western. And um, you don't find them in small suburbs. They just, it just doesn't work. They don't get the traffic that's there. Um, but um, that requires a, a full size a full size Whole Foods store requires a certain square footage, and it's hard to find those in a lot of cities. Yeah, I th- with the new stores in general, I think with you know, like we said, with the private label goods, they're going to be trying to lower prices. So for you know, I already know we already know that with these new locations, these new three sixty five locations the stores themselves are going to be cheaper the build outs are they're going to integrate a lot of technology they're obviously going to be smaller and they're going to have a much more carefully curated selection of products and this is all kind of the target they've mentioned specifically for like the millennial consumers the reason being you know a lot of the younger generation now they're picky they want really high quality natural organic food but they're still on a strict food budget yeah, and, uh, I, uh, my wife sent me to the Whole Foods down the street here the other day. We were out of uh, peanut butter, and uh, so I go, and they have every organic peanut butter and jelly options. This is just one example. Every preserve you can think of, and I was like, whoa, this is too much. This is expensive, whatever, and I just got their 365 brand. There you go. Boom. So, you know, that they've seen a lot of... If you look at a competitor like Trader Joe's, that has done a really good job targeting this market. Younger shoppers who want like those natural foods, like we said, on a on a budget, Trader Joe's has done extremely well with that. We need to do a show about the two buck check Trader Joe's line. Oh yeah, we can we can do, definitely cover that <laughs> at some point. And the thing is, Whole Foods is also their main stores are also kind of on the defensive from major organic offering uh, offerings from. Big now, compet- from yeah. big competitors too. We're talking about Kroger, yeah. uh, Walmart, Costco. You know, the, there was a report recently that Costco may um, basically dethrone Whole Foods this year as the largest seller of organic goods at like four billion dollars of sales, wow. and that's doubled. That's more than doubled in just the past three years. When they had the store footprint, all they had to do was just pivot. Exactly. So, um, and so you know, a lot of these competitors are attacking them on price. So Whole Foods here sees an opportunity to, you know, expand. Their locations hit some new markets, especially younger consumers, without with these lower prices, without watering down their you know core Whole Foods brand. So, I have to wonder though if this will be. It might be better, uh, but what kind of returns you're looking at? Just internal rates of return and everything. Well, the thing is, you know, recently Whole Foods their same store sales have slowed significantly. I think they logged just. A, over three percent, yeah, just over three. Recently. And this compares to you know seven, eight percent. Yeah, they were doing double digits ago. not too yeah. long ago either, and you know they missed on revenue, and the stock has taken a beating. It's been very volatile. You know, it's tw- down twenty percent year to date, and since two thousand thirteen, it's jumped as high as sixty five, come back down to forty dollars, then it's gone as high as fifty seven again, and now it's back to fo- in the forty range, uh, trading at about twenty three times current year earnings. So. You know that growth is stalling out, and 
I think I'm sure they are kind of seeing some of the success that Walmart is having, for example, with a smaller format store. The neighborhood markets has been a huge uh, shining star in their recent earnings report. You ever been to one of those? I have not actually. I've nice. I've not yeah. seen one in person. Um, you got to keep in mind that while Walmart's overall business is seeing maybe one percent, I think it's seeing about one point one percent growth uh, for the last quarter. The neighborhood market, smaller format express stores, saw eight percent same store sales growth. So wow. that kind of strength is probably something that wow. Whole Foods, I'm sure, would love to target with their 365 concept. And you know, Walmart's opening just two is just this year is going to open 200 new neighborhood markets. So you know, that's the, pretty much all Walmart can do at this point, in my opinion. But you know, they have thousands of super centers. But Whole Foods is pursuing this. I think it's a great idea, honestly. Um, targeting both new locations, like you said, being able to have multiple uh, locations in some of these urban areas, targeting the younger shoppers, and in general, you know, organic foods is one of the fastest growing categories. Very good. Well, before we move on and uh, chat about Barnes Noble, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all of our industry-focused listeners. If you have found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter, started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for all listeners. It is $129 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And uh, so, Vince, I was surprised to find out that, uh, oh man... Barnes & Noble got Sears Canada's former head to come in as CEO. Um, first and foremost, let's kind of talk about what's been going on with Barnes & Noble, and then we'll bring it back around here. Sure. So um, They're the last survivor in the book industry, let's first let's say that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're going to be – their business is going through a lot of changes, and we're going to be see them kind of try and pivot again into being a pure play bookseller. Because um, right now, you know, they have three major segments. They have their retail – um, they have their Nook segment, and then they have their kind of college education segment. They already had initially they had made plans to spin off Nook, the Nook business, along with the college business. But now they're going to hold on to the Nook business, and because I think they really want um, the future oh, digital whatever. Exactly, they want exposure to the digital market, and they're going to spin off their college business. You know, they valued it around seven hundred and seventy-five million dollars. The college business, yes. Um, it's about a little over 700 locations currently. Um, if I had to pick a segment to own, I would pick that one. Well, the thing is, you know, it's the only one in the past for their most recent fiscal year to post any sales growth. Yeah. Um, you know, the segment makes up about 30% of revenue, uh, about 30% of EBITDA. And um, it is, um, I really wanted to highlight this because I just feel very strongly about it. Um, I went back to my um, alma mater, Case Western, up there in uh, Cleveland, and um they just did a big redesign of the campus and all this stuff, and a f- cornerstone is this giant Case Western Barnes & Noble store, and it had I mean, I'm sure this is the case in all 700 of these locations. It's basically a monopoly. It is a mini monopoly on all these college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, I think they're adding these college stores at the rate of about 25 locations per year. Wow. Uh, so, you know, they, that is that business is going to be spun off. Each current shareholder is going to get a share of the new entity that they're calling Barnes & Noble Education around August. And that 
essentially leaves the original Barnes and Noble entity, uh, the leaves them able to focus on their retail business and the milk business. So that is a big part of the reason why this new CEO has come in. Um, he has only had the job at Sears Canada for less than a year, about 10, 11 months. Okay, so he's not an alum by any chance. So, or, short yeah. stint. Before that, he spent time at places like Best Buy, Brookstone, Toys R Us. He, gener- he generally kind of entered those senior positions when those businesses were struggling. And he he's had a pretty good track record of being able to stabilize revenue, um, attack new initiatives like mobile. And some of the businesses obviously went under regardless like Brookstone declared bankruptcy right. a year or two after he left but still like he's shown the ability to turn things around um, you know while he's there so Barnes and Noble I think is going to really need his help because you know they announced a partnership last summer with Samsung to re- release a new version of the Nook so you know they've completely gotten rid of any internal con- uh, hardware you know they, they want to get out of the hardware business that was a great idea now they're going to focus on making the Nook more attractive against comp- competition like the Kindle, uh, expanding digital offerings, focusing on their on their main Barnes and Noble stores. Like re- I think they want to reduce from their current store count, which is around mid six hundreds to four hundred to five hundred. They think that ultimately that's sustainable for their business. It seems to me, just you know, twenty thousand feet foot in the air view, that um, the college. I mean. I'm highly interested in that spinoff. I'm not a shareholder of Barnes & Noble, but that spinoff, man, the college business is basically a little monopoly. Because think about it. Like, you go in there, they sell the apparel, they sell the books. You don't have to get the books there, but they're there. Um there's usually like a Starbucks inside or something that's like I mean it's and they've expanded slick. into they've expanded into textbook rentals. They yeah. recently released a you know a whole new platform for that kind of for. Uh, Come to think of, my wife had one of these at her college too. Like I have seen, like students hang out there and buy snacks. Like and it's a, and know. the thing is, there's still a lot of uh, untapped. There's still a lot of untapped stores in the market. Where I think over half of colleges still manage their own stores. Yeah, so. I actually just pulled that up here. Um, you said there were 600? About a little yeah. over 700 of these uh, college uh, stores. In the United States right now, there are four... Um, there are public four-year institutions, about 629 of those. There are um, 1,845 private four-year institutions, so we're up to about 24, 2,500, give or take, just a little less. Public two-year institutions, 1,070, and private two-year institutions, 569. So, I mean, they're what? You figure half of these things could hold a Barnes & Noble. I mean, they're 40% there. So, and they're the second biggest player as it is now. There's uh, one of their competitors has, I think, closer to like 800, 900. Yeah, of these so, locations. and they do at least. I mean, it sounds crazy. It's like for a while, Barnes and Noble was basically a, a showroom for Amazon.com's books, but um, they do have the brand name of Barnes and Noble. Hey, come here to buy books and hang out and whatever. So, exactly. Um, but. Uh, now that Nook, I'm really surprised at how it's not performing. It's kind of well. The you know that business has been a disaster the past few years. Like they're base they're basically seeing sales drop. The most for the most recent holiday season being as important as it is. And keep in mind that this was after they released their new tablet in with the partnership with Samsung, and it didn't lift sales at all. And actually, you know, year over year, the holiday season saw a 50 percent drop in Nook seg- revenue segment. Oof. So, you know, it, it was hemorrhaging money for a long time. They've stemmed losses by, I think, up to 60%. So, it's still losing money, but 
not losing them quite as much. Um, but that is going to be a tough business turnaround because you just got to think about how competitive is the tablet market, and not only that, you know, you're not exactly complete competing against small players. We're talking about Apple and Amazon, right? These guys are not going to be giving up market share very easily, for sure. So, uh, when does that spinoff happen? Uh, the current shareholders will receive their uh, shares of the new entity expected in August. Got it. Very good. Well, thanks for your insight and thoughts, uh, Vince. Thank you, Sean. Have a good one. And if you're a lawyer listener, uh, loyal listener and you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at focus at fool.com. Again, that is focus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. That's it for us, fools. For Vincent Shen, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and fool on. Fool on.